Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I heard a story about two brothers who lived on adjoining farms. They were best friends. They, they did everything together. Their families vacationed together. Everything they did was together. They just really loved each other. And then one day, there was a rift between the two brothers. They got a little spat. It wasn't anything big or anything major. It was really over something so simple, just a misunderstanding. It was really over, over preference, really over just something so little. But then it turned into something bigger. It grew into a major difference between the two of them. And then they exploded into bitter words, followed by a very long time of not wanting to ever talk or see each other. And so the brothers had lived separate, separated. They, they hadn't spoken in who knows how long. And one day the older brother heard a knock on his door thinking maybe it's his younger brother coming to say he's sorry for all the things he's done. He opened the door. But to his amazement, it was an older gentleman there with a toolbox. The brother said, can I help you? And the older gentleman said, I'm just looking for work. Do you have anything I could do? I just need to make a, it's a little bit extra money. The brother said, actually, yeah, I do. I said, my neighbor over there, he dug a trench that has caused our creek to grow even bigger. It's actually my brother. I'd like you to build something that, that does something because we're so far apart that, that, that just makes it to where we don't even have to deal with each other. Something that makes it so much simpler. I don't know what. Just will you build something? Older gentleman said, yeah, I, th- I think I know what you want. The brother says, well, I've got to go into town, so here's all the material you need. Go ahead. So older brother goes into town. The carpenter just starts to build. He builds all day long. And later on, late in the afternoon, the older brother comes home. To his amazement, he sees what the carpenter built. It was not what he thought. It was not what he wanted. It was nothing at all what he had imagined. His eyes are big. His, his jaw drops open. And he's getting ready to lay into that older gentleman when all of a sudden, off in the distance, he sees his younger brother running towards him. See, what the older gentleman built was a bridge. The carpenter built a bridge, a beautiful bridge with amazing handrails, everything that you could ever dream a beautiful bridge would look like. The younger brother comes running across that bridge and he says, I am so sorry, you are a better man than I. I'm sorry for what I've said, I'm sorry for what I've done, will you please forgive me? And the brothers embrace reconciliation happens and they turned to the older gentleman as he's packing up his tools and they said do you really have to leave they said we have more jobs for you to do we have more things for you to do can you stay the carpenter says I wish I could but I can't I have more bridges to build you know I wonder in a time where there's so much division in a time when there's so much speaking and saying and anger and hurt and pain. I I wonder if we as believers, I wonder if we became bridge makers instead of wall builders. I wonder what would happen if we started building bridges of love, building bridges of forgiveness, building bridges that spoke of Jesus instead of building walls of our own opinion. I wonder what would happen in our world 
in our neighborhoods and in our families if we were known as bridge makers, not problem solvers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for today. God, I thank you that you are a bridge maker. God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And Lord, I ask that you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that even as, as I put this message together, and it's so hard sometimes to, to think in my own heart, God, what is it you want to work in me and not what is it you want to work in somebody else? God, I pray that today we would look at our hearts and Lord, how we are called to be bridge makers, bridge builders. Lord, I ask that you bless churches all over the valley today, Lord. I pray that you'd bring about a great unity amongst your people. Lord, I ask that you bless us at City View in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us here at City View Church. Thank you for joining our online experience. I'm thankful that you chose to watch. And I want to encourage you, don't skip any part of this message. Don't dip out. I know life gets busy. I know life gets crazy. I know things. If you have to step away, come back and finish because I think today's message is something that every single one of us, whether you believe in Jesus or not, no matter where you stand in that, I think this message today is something that we all need to hear and we all need to apply to our lives. I was talking to a group of pastors um, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember how long ago it was now. And we're talking about just church and all that kind of stuff and the things that, that are going on. And, and as we were talking, one of the things that continued to come up was how much division there is in our own churches, how much fighting there is amongst our own people, how much there's just so much conflict and so much divide and so much arguing and so much little bickering and, and all these nasty things. And we're just like, man, this is not cool. This makes it so hard to love people. It makes it so hard to pastor and to do this. And division is such a nasty thing. The fighting, the bickering, the, the, the hateful things that are said in person, the hateful things that are said about why churches aren't open, the hateful things that are said on social media, whether you like masks or not, whether you think that it's totally important or not, no matter what politics, all these things, we just are so divided. And it's ugly. It's amazing the things that we will separate on. I, Jimmy Fallon ha had somebody ask, he asked, this is a while back, about, okay, what are some of the biggest fights, biggest things that cause division in your family? And I wrote down some of the things that people tweeted him. One of them says, a guy named, uh, well, I don't even know his name, it says Kansas, uh, says, the day the clocks turned back for daylight savings time. Members of my family kept arguing about the time we should feed our cat so that our cat wouldn't be confused. Division. About times of feeding a cat. Who cares? But it's important to them. Just another person said, On Christmas Eve, we were playing Trivial Pursuit. My mom and dad were arguing about the pronunciation of the word phalanges. Let me tell you, if Laramie and I were arguing about the pronunciation of any word, she's always right, I'm never right. I can't pronounce anything correctly. My mom got mad. She got up. She got up and left. She kicked the trivial pursuit box on the ground and broke two of her toes. Another one. In my 30s, my twin sister described to me an incident in high school that she had never forgiven me for. It occurred in the balcony on the balcony of our cafeteria. The problem was our cafeteria didn't have a balcony. 
My sister had been, she says, my t sister had been mad at me for 15 years about a dream she had. She didn't even know it. My family fought for hours once about where the line is drawn between something being called soup and stew. It didn't even matter because we were eating pizza. It's, it's amazing at, at what we can be divided on. It's amazing the fights we choose. It's amazing the things that we will say and we will stand so strong on when in the end, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. And as I was thinking about the, this message and what to say, and this has just been something that's been so heavy on my heart, so heavy on my heart. I was, I was talking to Jared, and we're talking about different things to, to, to teach on because I'm getting ready to go into a series in about three weeks. And so I don't, I, I have about two, three weeks. And so we're just talking about what to teach on. And as we were talking about this, the biggest thing that came up was unity, teaching on unity. A friend of mine, she came into the office and I said, Carly, if there's anything I could teach on over the next, in the next week, one topic, if you were to pick anything, what would you say? She didn't know Jared and I had already had a, a conversation. She said, unity. Man, that, that says something. And then I had a conversation later on that day with somebody, and I was talking to him about something, and, and he said in that conversation, man, we need to learn more about unity. In one day, three separate conversations that neither one of these people knew I spoke to the others all said, we need to hear about unity. What does that tell you? I think it tells you we're divided. We are divided. And if the church is divided, it will fall. It's not a good place for the church to be divided. The church needs to be strong in a time like this. The church needs to stand. The church needs to love one another. And so as I was thinking about this, I, I, I landed upon 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. So if you would turn there with me or go to the YouVersion Bible app, whatever you got. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. It says, finally, all of you, should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, keep a humble attitude, don't repay evil for evil, don't retaliate with insults. When people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. For the Scripture says, if you want to enjoy life, and to see many happy days. Keep your tongue or your hands from speaking and typing evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search, pursue peace, and work to maintain it. Can you imagine a group of people that actually did in what these four verses said? It would change everything. People would look at the church something totally different. They, they would see that the church might be something they want to be a part of. They would see Christians as something people they actually might want to be around instead of Christians that are always the ones fighting about the dumbest things. Instead, they see us fighting. They see us attacking each other. They, they, they see fighting in all of this. And this is the opposite of who we are called to be. We're called to unity. That doesn't mean we all have to think the same. Doesn't mean we all have to believe the same. But it means we've got to believe the same about Jesus. We've got to fight for the same mission as Jesus. 
loving the lost world. Our society is, is so divided. It's, it's in this time of great division. We as believers are called to live above that. We are called to live different. Peter here says in verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Peter here breaks down in one verse, he uses five adjectives about this life we're called to live in unity. He says, be of one mind. One mind means like-minded. We have gotten so focused on things that have nothing to do with the mission of Jesus. We've gotten off track. I've gotten off track. I've got to be careful. Because I, I know me, I've got, an, I've got opinions. And I have to be careful and guarded with my opinions. Because our opinions matter. People listen to them and they will offend or they will assure in some way or another. And sometimes it doesn't matter and I just need to keep it to myself. I just need to keep it to myself. I can talk to my wife. I can talk to a close friend in person. I don't need to post it. I don't need to go and blast it. I don't need to make a video about it. I can just keep it to myself. Have a discussion. The other day, a friend of mine posted something and I was like, dude, I don't really agree with that. Instead of commenting, you know what I did? I text him. Because I knew it was just going to start a fight amongst who knows a whole bunch of people I don't even know. So I text the guy. He texts me back and says, thank you so much for texting me. I appreciate that. That's a friend. That's the difference. Conversations, one-on-one things, when you can actually talk to somebody, it allows. And so Peter, as he writes this, he says, be of one mind, be like-minded. We're to fight for the things of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. Jesus has called us to love people. He came for all people. He loved all people, Jesus did. We can't pick sides. Jesus didn't pick sides. It says, for God so loved the world. And as he did this, he loved all people. Everyone. Everyone matters to Jesus. Some of you are saying, see, that's Jeremiah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But when Jesus loved all people, it didn't mean he didn't love certain people more or less. You see, for Jesus to prove his point of loving all people, he told stories and he did actions that loved specific people. He told the story of a, of a father who had a son who ran away. And that son came back, the prodigal son, the son came back, and the father had a party and loved that prodigal son. Does it mean he didn't love that the older brother didn't matter? No, the older brother mattered so much to him, but the younger one came home. Jesus loved this, this Phoenician woman. There's this woman who needed love. Does it mean he didn't love all the other women? No, but he was telling a story about love. So he loved the one so that the many might know he loves all. We're called to be one like-minded like Jesus. We're called to love people like Jesus. As believers, we need to love like Jesus, have a mind like Jesus. We are to be like-minded and the mind is to be like Christ. And then Peter says, be of one mind. And then he says, be sympathetic. Have sympathy, meaning compassion, or to feel with others. Unity cannot exist unless be- believers feel sympathy for one another. Unity can't happen unless we're willing to step into somebody else's pain, unless we're will- willing to step into somebody else's shoes. Sometimes we want people to feel our pain. 
We want people to understand what we're saying. You need to get me. You need to understand me. You need to know where I'm coming from. I, I understand that. But sympathy means you're looking at them. You're trying to step into where they are, where their feelings are, where they're coming from. That's what God calls us to do. God calls us to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. This is not as easy or as comfortable because it's so much easier for us to just want them to understand us, for us to just say this and do this to where people are like, okay, yeah, you, all of a sudden you convinced me, but no, we need to understand them. Unity demands sympathy. If we want to find unity, if we want to have unity amongst believers, if we want to have unity of people, we, it demands sympathy. Unity demands that believers, that as believers, we feel for one another in a deep feeling, that we enter into each other's pain, each other's hurt, each other's abuse, each other's suffering, each other's joy, and each other's rejoicing. That's what unity, that's what sympathy means. It means when somebody's rejoicing, we step into that and we rejoice with them, even though they got the promotion and you didn't. Rejoicing or, or sympathy means we step into their pain and we feel it and we understand it and we try to understand where they're coming from. That's sympathy. That's the life that Peter is calling us to live. This probably didn't come easy for Peter. If you remember Peter in the Bible, he was pretty abrasive. He was a rough guy. He probably didn't have much sympathy for people. He was the guy that's just like, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut off ears. I'm going to, he, he's that guy, like, if you offended him, he probably would just punch, he'd come out and just punch the guy for you. That, that's how he would help you know, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm there. And I, I, that's Peter. So Peter's having this understanding. Peter wasn't all about, when you look at Peter's life, Peter wasn't all about the crowds. He wasn't all about the people. But Peter grew in his sympathy. Peter grew in his relationship with Jesus, and the more he had a mind like Christ, the more he grew in his sympathy to, to love people. And then Peter continues to write in verse 8, he says that we need to have brotherly love. This word love is Philadelphia love, the Greek word Philadelphia. It's that brotherly, it's that love that's found in a family. It's actually, this word is really only found in Christian writings. Peter says we need to love each other like a brother, like a family kind of love. It's a love that binds together like a family. It's a love that, that binds in an unbreakable union. It's a love that holds one another in your heart. It's a love that knows deep affection for each other. It's a love that nourishes. It's a love that shows concern. It's a brotherly love. That's the love that we are called to have for one another as Christians, as people. It's a love that's willing to step back and try to look at their point of view. It's that kind of love. Not you making them see yours. Not you making them understand where you're coming from. And I get that. I understand that. But it's you entering into theirs. It's you loving them where they are. It's you loving them in that moment. It's a, a brotherly, a sisterly, if it's a family kind of love. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart, Peter says. Remember, this love is coming from a former tough guy, Peter. He wasn't some softy. He's not like me. He didn't cry all the time. He was a tough guy. You know, a guy that probably didn't talk a lot about love. A guy that probably people wondered, are you always mad? You seem always irritated. You know, when I look at Peter, I think he just sort of was this go at it, gonna do it, do whatever I want kind of guy. A guy that showed his love by punching your enemy for you. That kind of guy. And Peter's saying, hey, we need to love one another. Love one another. And don't be embarrassed to show it. And then Peter says, we need to be tender-hearted, meaning compassionate or kind-hearted. This means to be moved to affection towards the, the needs of others, to be moved with pain and suffering. So you have sympathy who sort of has this understanding, who is willing to step in, but then you have this tender-hearted, which actually is, is even more so of stepping into their pain. It's a deeper feeling. It's a deeper embracing of what they are. It's that, that idea of actually getting dirty with them in it is that tender-hearted. Believers are to have compassion on this, uh, when it comes to others' suffering. Believers are to feel compassion to the point that we are moved to act, moved to sacrifice, and moved to reach the needs of others. That, that's this tender-hearted. That's what our hearts should do when it breaks for other people. Compassion demands that a person deny self and meet others where they are. You know, in the story of the two brothers... What compassion would have done is the older brother would have said to the younger brother, okay, let me get this straight. Is this what you meant? Because this is what I heard. And it would have given time for the younger brother to say, no, actually, that's not what I meant. Or it would have been the older brother, maybe it's, it's a situation like this, man, I, I'm sorry if I offended you with the words I said. The younger brother says, do you even know what you said? And all of a sudden, he, the younger brother says, I feel like I've always lived in your shadow. I feel like I've always lived under you and, and always trying to impress you and impress other people. And, and all of a sudden, one day when you built that thing and everybody's like, look at this, but I built the same thing. And everybody noticed you, but didn't notice me. And the older brother's able to step in and say, man, that, that's this tenderhearted stepping into Imagine. So com compassion thinks before it does. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 3 says, Remember those in prison as if you were, you were there yourself. Remember also those who are being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own body. Now, this is not telling you to go tell somebody else to, hey, you need to have to tenderhearted. No, this is you this is me entering into yours. It's not me telling you to enter into mine. It's me stepping into yours. This is what it looks like. 
this compassion, this love. I know some of you are thinking, okay, Jeremiah, this, this, I know all this. You're, 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 you're talking about Black Lives Matter. That's what you're talking about. No, Jeremiah, you're talking about masks and COVID, and we all need to care more because if you don't mask up, you hate everybody else. That's what you're talking about, right, Jeremiah? No, Jeremiah, you're talking about politics. You're saying if you're for Donald Trump, you're racist and you hate everybody. If you're for this guy, then, man, you're all for everything. If you vote this way, you're a socialist. Jeremiah, that's what you're talking about. No and yes. I am talking about everything. I'm saying as believers, our love, our compassion should look crazy and different. Our love for people, our desire to step in and understand where people are coming from should be different than the rest of the world. We should be so patient. We should be so loving. We should lead with peace. We should be building bridges, not walls. We should be pursuing love. The world should want what you have, not be turned off from it. The last thing Peter says there in verse 8, he says, and we should, be hum- we should have a humble attitude. We should lead with humility. That means to present yourself lowly, lower rank, not high-minded. It has the idea of offering oneself with the spirit of submission and lowliness. Even though you may be the highest one in authority, you're willing to step in and come underneath. You're willing to submit. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus didn't have to humble himself, but he wanted to. And then we're told this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, I'm sorry, I'm going all the way to verse 8, I think, actually. In your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, even death on the cross. You see, this is the kind of love that the world needs to see, a love like Jesus. This is the kind of love that the church should be doing, a love that loves people, a love that isn't trying to prove your point, but a love that is willing to love till the end. Peter continues, says, do not repay evil for evil. Do not retaliate with insults. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 9, verse 9, he says, do not, when people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Then Peter, he, he gets into this relationship of outside world. He first focuses, verse 8 is all within believers, all within the church. Now he's focusing on all people. He says, don't repay evil for evil, insult for insult. But he says, bless people. Bless people. Believers are not to react. Reactions rarely produce fruit. 
I've seen so many reactions. We react. My, my boys, when one hurts the other, the reaction is to punch the other. Reactions are never fruitful. Usually it means whoever gets caught gets in the most trouble. But look at what so-and-so did. Well, I only saw you do it. And so, so many of us, we are reacting in these moments. We're reacting. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to lead with blessing. Reactions will most likely lose the friendships of a person. They will lose all hope in many times reaching somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Because what they do is they look and they see what you said. They see what you've done. They see what you posted. They see that. And they say, that's exactly what I thought a Christian would be like. I don't want anything to do with that. Have you ever had that happen? Because I sure have. I've heard that story. I don't want to be a Christian. Have you seen Christians? They're nasty people. Peter says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Peter says, for the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, for scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, your fingers from typing dumb things, and your lips from telling lies, and turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and pursue it. Maintain it. I know that so many of us are not enjoying life right now. We're not. It's Life can be hard. I was talking to my neighbor and he goes, Jeremiah, it was, it's amazing. Everybody seems heavy hearted. You go to the grocery store and everybody, their eyes just seem like there is no hope in them. And now with so many rules and regulations, it, some people are like, yay, finally. And others are like, man, what is happening? And instead of trying to enter into the pain of either side, we're just fighting and we're backlashing. We're not willing to enter in and say, where are you? And scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. If you want to be happy, it says, keep your tongue, your fingers from doing things that cause division. Search for peace, pursue peace, work to maintain it. Peter then says this, The eyes of God watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. God is watching you. God hears you. He's not watching you in a way to pounce on you, but He, he understands where you are. He, he, he's entered into your pain. He's entered into your hurt. He's entered into to everything that you have. He, he humbled Himself. He's not asking you to do anything He hasn't already done. God calls us to, to, be, to be bridge builders, to be pursuers of peace, to be united in mind, sympathize with each other, love one another, to be tenderhearted, to be humble. But we can only do this because Jesus already did it. Just like in that story, there was a cavern between us and God. There's a division between us and God. That no matter what kind of bridge we would try to build, we could never build a big enough bridge. We could never build a strong enough bridge. We could never build a good enough bridge that would ever reach God. And so God sent Jesus, and Jesus, they built the bridge. And Jesus came, and he died on a cross, and that cross became the bridge so that we could go from one side to the other. 
God isn't asking you to be perfect. It's not like you got to fix everything before you start walking across the bridge. Here's what it says, the kind of peace, the kind of love that God pursued with us. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 8 and 11, but God showed his great love for us. You see, we're not supposed to love some kind of love that we will we can't understand. It's a love that God already loved us with. It's a love that God is giving to us freely. It's, it costs him everything, costs us nothing. It's a love that God was an example first. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still his enemies. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, while we were still against him, while we were still on the the other side of this bridge, fighting him and not wanting anything to do, Jesus died for us on a cross. He died. He did all those things that Peter says, hey, if you want to live a happy life, here's what it looks like. Be of one mind, the mind of Christ. Sympathize with each other. Love each other with a brotherly and sisterly kind of love. Be kind-hearted, tender-hearted towards each other and humble yourselves. Jesus did all that. He died even while we were his enemies. Even while we were still stuck in our mess, he died. And his cross became a bridge that we might cross over. And it says, while, verse 10, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. It's because of his love that we can now love. It's because of this love that changes us. It's because of this love that we can love like Jesus and love others that are difficult to love. God was willing to make a bridge to love us. Are we willing to make a bridge to love others? Be the bridge. Be love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for being so merciful, so loving, so forgiving. Lord, I thank you that you are willing to step into our mess, step into our pain, step into our anger, our shame, so that you could understand us, so that we could know that you know who we are, you know where we're coming from. And Lord, I ask, God, that you'd meet us now, Lord, that you would, right in this moment, God, no matter where we are, whether we're sitting on a chair, sitting on a couch, Lord, God, you'd break our hearts and help us see, Lord, how we can be more loving towards others. God, help us to be patient, sympathetic, one-minded, humble, tender-hearted, and loved. In Jesus' name. You know, maybe for you, you, you're on the other side of this bridge. You realize you're an enemy. But you realize maybe today made sense what Jesus did for you on a cross. Maybe you realize that because of his death, he made a bridge that you might cross over. And if that's you, if you want to cross over that bridge today, it's, there's no, nothing magic. It, It's a matter of just believing that Jesus did it for you. And if that's you, pray with me. Say, dear God, 
I'm so sorry for what I've done. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me in my sin and even as I was your enemy. Thank you for loving me so that I can now be your friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.